Well, I hope you guys have been watching our series on newbie boot camp. Let's talk about the third and final stage of this thing, hitting the road. That's right. You've got your offer, you've accepted your offer, you've looked at your numbers, and now it's time to hit the road. What do you need to know as a newbie on this week's edition of Travel Evolved? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Travel Evolved. I am Mark Holloway, CEO of NextGen MedStaff. Welcome everybody to the episode this probably goes without saying but first thing i want to say is i hope you watched parts one and part two and i hope you followed instructions are in part one where before you went to part two you went back and watched a whole bunch of new episodes there was a few i referenced in part two that i thought would be helpful for you to watch so hopefully those of you took the initiative to go ahead and do that in this part three we're talking about again subtitled hitting the road which means you're ready to take off now again I guess I shouldn't say this, but I'll, I'm, at the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you guys that you really do need to now start filling in some of the your education, some of your information on some of the episodes we haven't highlighted because it's really what makes the travel experience better. A lot of those things where we talked about, and sometimes I feel like, oh, are, they, are these important enough episodes? And I think they are because, again, I think especially the last few years, I don't know if, in reading the temperature out there, I'm not sure travelers are truly enjoying traveling anymore. I don't mean to sound negative on that. I'm just saying, I think you guys are working really hard. You're making money. I think a lot of the focus on travel healthcare has shifted into financial and survival and that sort of thing. I totally understand. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can't satisfy one need unless the other ones down below it have been met. And a lot of you right now are in that safety needs, um, you know, hierarchy, if you will, to quote Maslow. So it, I, I get it. But again, once you hit the road, and we'll talk about the things I think are vitally important for you to kind of finish up this three-part series, 
And then I'm, I'm going to recommend, like I say, there's a lot of things that we cover on Travel Evolved that sometimes I kind of scratch my head and say, mm, and it's probably mostly because I'm just a little bit uncomfortable talking about it. I'm not the, you know, the touchiest, feeliest guy in the world, so I, I do struggle uh, with some of those episodes. I do my best, and I hope it doesn't come across as, as insincere. It's just, it's just tough for me sometimes to talk about things that, that I want and wish for you guys that I oftentimes don't practice myself, and it's just the truth. I mean, I, I need to listen to my own words a lot and those sorts of things, but I do believe a lot of those episodes I'm talking about really do add to the travel experience. I think, you know, that that happy traveler, that hierarchy, that evolved traveler is a guy or gal that really gets that and understands that there is a whole lot more benefit to traveling than just the financial aspects of it. And I think we all need to focus on the more positive things that we have in our life. And I think that's part of where we go. So not getting too philosophical. Again, I'm getting uncomfortable. <laughs> I will reference that again at the end of the episode to go back and now start to round out your you know, your, your evolvement, if you will, of becoming a really high-level traveler. So, like I said last week, before we move into this episode, it's, it's so incredibly important that before you have said yes and you sign a line that's dotted by that agency and you've agreed to the terms, that you understand what you're agreeing to. Now, I would caution you to be agreeing to things that don't pay properly between 36 and 40 and overtime well. And I would also, you know, caution you to not necessarily jump on an assignment if it's the first offer you have and, and you didn't shop around agencies. Hopefully you did your homework and you listened to us in part one and part two. And we're going to assume for this episode that you really have, in fact, signed the assignment that makes sense for you and only for you. And again, this industry is so riddled with ridiculousness that you're the only one that knows if an assignment's truly for you. If, if again, you've been given the right information, I guess I should qualify that. But when you get a location and a pay rate, you're the only one that can judge whether or not that makes sense to you. And that's why the recruiting model is so bizarre because you're counting on communication and filtering and you know communication back from a recruiter that you're hoping truly understands everything about what it is that you're looking for for your assignment. And let's be frank, it's difficult. That's why I, I really do believe we're pushing and moving more towards a self-automated option where you are in fact either receiving or searching for your own positions. I, I like the receiving one where you put the information in and that way you get that information right away. And if it makes sense, you, you jump on it quickly before everybody else does. It, it seems to be more efficient, more effective, and it's working for a lot of people that work for us. But you know, it's this is again one of those areas where the recruiting model is, in fact, someone is making an assumptive you know, decision that they know what you want before they even present stuff to you. So we're going to bypass all that, go back and listen to the first two episodes. And if you're jumping on this first one, I mean, you got to listen to at least one and two. Otherwise, you don't know where we are. So I'm assuming you triple, double-check the numbers. You ran them by somebody. And if, you're, if you are, in fact, a newbie and someone else agreed, yeah, this seems like a pretty solid deal. You understand your offer. Here's where I think it's very important that you and... Again, most of you guys are tied to a recruiter. You know, recruiter is the one that sold you to take that position to that company. Let's be frank. You are probably now going to be turned over to somebody else, but typically your recruiter oftentimes for most companies is your liaison still. If things are going wrong or not going well with, like, let's say, credentialing, you're not going to be talking oftentimes to the credentialing manager or an account manager. You're going to go back to your recruiter, the one that sold you to go to work for them, and say, hey, you know, what's going on? I need help here. I need help there. And they will usually be more than willing to, to sweep in and try to fix things because they want that commission. They want to make money off of you. There are a lot of companies, I think, however, that are that you actually get transferred to a, a credentialing specialist, for lack of a better word, or you know, trying to get a generic term that, that a majority of agencies probably will use. 
And I do think for some of those, you actually are hitched with that person and you don't go back to your recruiter until that's been you know, finished and accomplished and then you are given first day instructions and you go back to your recruiter and anything else that needs, you need to have done. I'm sure there's people that are involved in recruiting the process if you're getting reimbursed for certain things, if you have to go out and get another TB, or if you go get a, you know, a blood draw for, you know, to get some of your titers done, that sort of thing. And, and all that's probably going to have, you know, different nuances for every agency. But here's where communication really starts to um, come into play. Now is where the agency really should be proving themselves to you that you're in good hands. They're, they're, they're communicating effectively and properly and all the things that they're going to need and things that you have to jump through hoops. And let's be honest, credentialing, in my opinion, is one of the, the, the yucky parts of our industry. It just is. And it, again, don't blame your agency. I know you like to. Agencies do not like to have complicated credentialing processes. That is all being dictated by the vendor or the hospital or the hospital through the vendor. So it's not the agency. I mean, first of all, almost everything costs time, manpower, and or money to run you know, reports and, and to do that sort of thing. So they are not looking, us agencies are not looking to increase that. What I've noticed over the last couple of decades plus is that the list gets bigger and bigger. And it's, you know, it's legal stuff. I mean, every hospital that's, that's had a lawsuit or somebody who's, you know, got a law degree that's working for that facility, that system has said, hey, we better start covering our you-know-whats by adding this and adding this and adding that. It's all based upon risk management. So the list is going to continue to get bigger and the requirements are going to become a little bit more demanding. And I do not expect the process of credentialing to become better, simpler, or easier, or more fun for you guys. I just, I don't think it does. Look at any other industry that has anything like that. It's, it's just all gets worse because there's other people that get involved and they want more and more and more things to, to, to cover their butts. And so they're not exposed. And that means dump it on you and it's your requirement to go get it. It's the agency's requirement to make sure that it's, that it's satisfied before they can give you those first day instructions. So let's talk about credentialing for a little while. You know, I've said this many, many times. Here is where the, the the hidden BS in our industry starts to really rear its ugly head. And I, I just, I don't like this part. And I'm actually working on a, on a really good solution for next-gen med staff that I think makes things really, really fair across the board, which I think is all any traveler would want. Credentialing costs money. I mean, again, the bigger you are, the more uh, cost per credentialing person, per, per candidate, so to speak. So it probably costs you less and less to run a background check, to do a drug screen, to run some local different checks, to to have a, a system set up with a, a lab core or a quest where you can go in and get some of your titers done and that sort of thing. The bigger you have, the more volume you have, the cheaper it's going to cost per individual. So truly what I will say, and it's a pretty, I think a pretty fair statement across the board, the bigger your agency, the less you particularly cost them to become credentialed. I think that's fair because they're they're working on they're buying those things in volume, whether it's a you know a self-testing assessment, or whether it's a, a background test, or whether or not they've got something you know the bigger they are and the more people they have you know that are reimbursing for a lot of their medical things and like I said titers they're gonna be able to buy a little bit a little cheaper than the smaller company. So I think that's a pretty good rule of statement. And so there is a cost, and again a lot of agencies pretend like this cost that they're spending if they're reimbursing if you're in, and most of us do most of us reimburse there's a a disingenuous feeling out there that like agencies don't want to be honest and tell you that they, they, this is coming out of your 
part of the pie. And it absolutely is. There is very few companies out there that don't put some sort of expense in that. They can't because it does cost them money. I mean, even if it's $350, if that is part of their amount that they're making, they're going to fix their formula to make sure that that cost is either shared or probably passed along to the traveler, which means, I mean, I've spoken before. I've had companies that companies I've ran before were truly on a 20% margin. Other companies were looking at a margin saying, well, you're, you really are at a 20%. We said 20%, but we were really at 23, 24, 26 because we had all these things we were putting into credentialing. I've seen agencies, believe it or not, put the cost of the salary of the credentialing team into all the travelers, which means they're they're actually paying for their their operating expense of their salary, which is crazy. But companies, listen, agencies do whatever they want to do. It's their business model. It's their business. This is how things affect your net pay. And you know, it's not just about a company deciding that they want to have a larger margin. A lot of companies decide that their larger margin is because they're going to make sure they're reimbursed for this, this, and this. Some companies even reimburse for fatalities and cost of goods sold or, or you know, business expenses when somebody quits. The more travelers that quit, they kind of say, well, we better, we better bump our margin up to offset that. This is real stuff, guys. And to, and to be naive and to think that an agency is just going to pay for this for you and not for somebody else and have it be done free, you, you know inside that that doesn't make a lot of sense to you. What I think most travelers say is, well, they're just so big and they make so much money that it doesn't it doesn't matter. It does matter. If you start, you know, any any smart CFO or any anybody who's you know higher up in any of these companies, they are looking at these numbers saying, if we just did this, look at how many you know. Again, bigger companies. I mean, sometimes a one percent difference in your margin can be you know a couple of million dollars in in you know in gross profit at the end of the year. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're not we're not talking about dumb companies here, and you guys have to start thinking that, you know, even though it's a simplistic model, and things make sense and are easy to understand, this is still a numbers business. And I've always said it in an episode that says nothing is free. Nothing is free to you. You are the recipient of what is left over based upon what a company is deciding they're going to, you know take as operating expenses or cost of goods sold, period. So when a company tells you that they're credentialing you and there's no cost and yes, we'll reimburse that license, yes, we'll do this, they have that automatically calculated in based upon either your specific needs, which I think is the, the best and most fair way to do it, or they're doing it across the board. Notice, and then we use this example. <clears throat> when you guys extend, do you get a raise? Do you get a dollar or two dollars an hour raise typically? Sometimes you, maybe you do. Mostly you don't. 
the difference between an extension and a brand new start is I can't tell you last time a vendor or a facility asked us to read drug tests, read background, you know, anything that we had expense wise on the first part of your assignment when you do an extension. That cost has gone away, which means that if we were offering you XYZ for your you know, total compensation, and again, the only thing that really should be changing should be your taxable hourly rate, that should be going up, which is what we're working on. I think that a traveler should truly be able to say, here's the amount of money I want for traveler investment. Here's the amount of money I need to you know, either get or to secure my licenses and my certification assignment. Here's what I'm going to need you, know, you guys to pay for up, up front medically. And it should be a very transparent open thing says if you want this no problem here's how it's going to affect your take home i don't mind that companies do it i just think they should be upfront and honest about it because i don't think it's fair for somebody who is you know going from let's say fort lauderdale to jacksonville florida getting the same pay rate as someone that's coming from nevada to go to work in jacksonville florida that has a much higher travel reimbursement their pay should be slightly lower based upon or your, i should say your pay should be slightly higher because you barely have any traveling you know, expenses if you barely have any credentialing, you should be making a little bit more money. And again, one or two dollars an hour, as you guys know, is significant over the course of an entire year. Imagine making two bucks more an hour at 36 hours a week. So at 70, you know, 72 bucks a week times 52, I don't know the math, but just that minimal amount of, of, of difference should be passed along to you guys. So first and foremost, don't be naive. Know that if some, a company is offering you something for free, <clears throat> it's not really free. It's already been calculated in. The difference is you're getting that that benefit, whereas somebody who didn't need it isn't, and their pay rate's still the same. So oftentimes you're the, the one that is not getting anything, yet your pay has been reduced to cover those that happen to be needing that right now during this part of their assignment. This isn't this isn't you know it, this is a it's like that you know the, the 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 shell game where you're trying to you know move stuff around and and you know. I think there's a lot of naive recruiters out there that maybe are really young, and a lot of them are in our industry. It's a pretty young person. I mean, I'm being stereotypical, but you know, if you look at a cross-section of the, of the average age of recruiters, I'm sure you're going to find that's going to be somewhere in the late 20s that, that, that these you know, guys and gals are in. And oftentimes, they're, they're not either privy to this kind of information or they don't really think about it. And when they tell you that it is free, if they do, I don't necessarily think they're trying to be uh, misleading at all. I just don't think they really know. I haven't thought about it. You guys know because you watch us. You guys know because you're an evolved traveler and you get it. And if you have it and you're watching this newbie boot camp, this is where your eyes start opening up. And this is why it's so very important. I cannot put in three, you know, two and a half years and what's going to end up being probably about four years worth of material into three, you know, segments. And then we went long last time because there was just a lot there. The first time I kind of counted you guys covering stuff. This one's going to be kind of right in the middle of the road, but. I can't put it all in there. So I am trusting and, and imploring you guys to go back and listen to episodes. If the title doesn't make sense, trust me, like the pie, we're talking about the bill rate, an extraordinarily vital episode. Company margins, how companies make money, how recruiters make money. You know, all those episodes that are really important, you got to go back and watch or you're just going to have you know, a 36,000 foot view of what we're really talking about. And I know I talk quickly. I know sometimes I actually say things erroneously. And I don't like to re-record stuff, so you'll go, did he mean that? Did he mean overtime? Did he mean whatever the term I'm using? If you watch it again, you'll realize that maybe I maybe misspoke on something, but you'll get the overall gist of it. Most travelers' reactions, when they start seeing some of these blatant things like that, your first reaction is oftentimes to get angry because you feel like you've been duped for years and years. 
And I understand that reaction. And it is more common than anything else. When I start really opening people's eyes personally to the 36 to 40, I'd say 80% of the time they're kind of angry. And they're not angry at me, but they, they, you can just hear it on the phone. They, they start thinking about all the years and all the assignments they've taken and all the weeks where they've worked over 36 hours. And it, it, I get it. It makes them mad. And I hope it does because this is how you guys can actually affect the travel industry. If you don't like what you're seeing out there right now, stop taking contracts for people that are promising you things are free and pretending that they're not costing you and stop taking assignments where people aren't paying you properly. So, All right, on, on the other episode we talked about, on a few episodes, I talk about setting up some other accounts. I still think it's very important, especially if you have the luxury. If you're, you know, if, if you have, if you're making more money on this potentially this, this assignment you just accepted, than you think you need to spend. I think for a lot of Americans, it's important to hide that money from yourself. You definitely, it's amazing. I'd say probably 95 to 96 percent of everybody I, that works for our company has one account. Now, most people have more than one account, but they put all their, their direct deposit into one account every Friday. And I like it when I see people diversify their stuff and say, hey, I want just 100 bucks to go here. I see some people that add you know, $25 for a tax. They just want to make sure they get a refund. These are smart things to do to make sure that you just aren't looking at access. And it helps you keep those operating expenses in your own personal little travel business down more to a minimum. So figure out before you go, what kind of money am I going to be grossing? You're going to know again, we're going to talk about here in a little bit about your expenses you know what am i looking at as far as my housing my my meals i mean this is a high cost of living am i gonna be able to go to the grocery store is it a place that i'm staying at that's going to allow me is have a big refrigerator so i can actually buy more in bulk and and save money that way or am i going to have to spend a lot of money by going shopping a lot because i've got a little fridge or none at all these are the kind of things that are important but if you have an account other than those expenses set up where you can dump some extra money and kind of you know forget about it this is where you're going to go a long way. Those kinds of accounts help you in the event that you get terminated or in the event that you're struggling to find an assignment or, you know, gosh forbid, an a, a, a vendor or a hospital says they're going to extend you and at the last minute they, they, they say they can't, which is incredibly common. And also you're, now you're scrambling and you're not going to get a paycheck for two or three weeks. So you've got a nest egg. Really, really important. Really consider that because all of us agencies are geared where most of the payroll, either we're doing internally ourselves or we've got companies, all of that allows us to have people kind of diversify and throw money in different different accounts. Whether it's a savings account or you want to you know, keep some money in an account where you don't have access to it because you don't have a debit card to it or you want to just you know have some things go and, and pay off of a credit card. I've seen people do that where they're actually paying down a, uh, a credit card so that by the time they're done with a couple of assignments, that there is nothing due on that. Smart, smart, smart. You can do all those things. So... I breezed past it real quickly, but here is where I hope you've already done some quick research before you accept this assignment and you have a general ballpark idea of the biggest operating expense you're going to have. And it's really a cost of goods sold, I guess, but you're your own little business on the assignment. And that's going to be your housing. Here is where you've got some decisions to make, much like, you know, find the assignment in general. Am I going to you know, look for housing where because I want to be comfortable and I, I want to enjoy and I really want a nice place? I mean, again, no judgment. Or am I going to put some more money in my pocket and I'm going to kind of rough it a little bit on this assignment and find housing that's you know, a lot cheaper? This is where you are in control. And you know, again, I would suggest this is where you treat it like a business. Don't take it personal, but you know, don't necessarily live in, 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 in the high life. You know, find a couple places to say, I, I would love that place because it's close to this or it's nicer, it's bigger. But I really need to be smart and I think this place will, will do and I think I can be just fine here and I think I'm going to save a couple hundred bucks or you know, maybe even more 
every month on this housing, or maybe there's something to do with a lease where it's you know it's it's less. Um, if something were you know to happen where you need to leave an assignment, you're not going to get stuck with the remainder of that rent and all those things that used to be on our plate for risk management that's now thrown on a traveler over the last 10 years. This is where your housing research has to be really smart. You got to be very smart about choosing and selecting what housing you're going to go in. I think the housing aspect of this phase is one of the absolute most important parts of, of going to work. It's the biggest decision other than, you know, taking the, you know, taking the, the option of, of initiative of actually signing and going on this contract. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, incredibly, incredibly important. You've got to really spend some time. And this is where that decision really makes sense. And again, you start multiplying this over the course of a year. The housing that you choose oftentimes is going to have two different factors associated with it. Your overall enjoyment, because let's be honest, a lot of you guys are only working, you know, three days a week. And so you're not working for. So I understand that aspect where, you know, you don't want to have lived in, you know, really, you know, dumps for the entire year that that can drain you. So keep that in mind. And again, I'm not a big believer in, in travel or burnout. And that can affect you. If you I mean, if you're depressed, and you go home to a kind of a yucky place and you're not going to be happy. Consider that. But also, again, consider the expense. And I hope that you did that before you even accept this assignment. This isn't blind and brand new to you. So you've got you've to do your housing search. I mentioned a few seconds ago, but you really do need to be very, very careful about your exposure to risk. Of course, we all think, I'm going to have this assignment, I've talked to the manager already, they want to, they want to extend me for another 13 weeks, and I've just started here. Things happen. If I've learned nothing in this industry over the time I've been in here is that if it can happen, it, it, it will happen to somebody. Be careful with signing off on a three-month lease. And I've, I've had veteran travelers that have done that because they really got emotionally attached to a certain housing situation. And they, they, they ignored that little voice that said, this is probably not a good idea because I think I'm going to be here, but I, I really want this place. I think that's a deal breaker for me. I think that you should really be you know, searching for a place that has an option to get out in the event that something happens. And I think that's a fair thing to say. I understand that sometimes that's not a possibility, but you should be having that be your number one, I guess, request is, is the place that has the least amount of length of time that you are you know, forced to pay rent at, regardless of what happens to your assignment, that's going to be the highest one on my list. That's going to be the highest one on my list. If it, if it ends up being a hotel stay or an extended stay type situation, you can afford that. That makes more sense to me oftentimes than an apartment that you can't get out of. You have to assume the worst, and even though you might pay a little bit more for that extended stay type scenario, you know, I, knowing that if something were to happen tomorrow to my assignment or I have to leave or the hospital fires me for something that's not my fault or, or their census drops, I would love to know that I'm not going to have to pay for another six weeks, eight weeks of, of, of you know, rent somewhere because I promised them I would. So just be, be careful and be aware. Limit your exposure as best you can on housing. This probably goes without saying, we haven't done this episode I wanted to do early on, but it's kind of one of those episodes that I don't know is going to be for everybody. But I do want to talk about auto automotive care at some point. You know, it is important for I don't care who you are, what your age is, what your driving skill is. If you're going to some place, let me say you've never been in the snow or it's been a long time since you've been, this, you've been in the snow and you're taking one of those high lucrative assignments during the time of year where it's snowy in an area that it does snow a lot in. Car care is going to be important. So this probably goes without saying, but just think about it. Just make sure that your, your vehicle, if you're driving, which most people do, and I recommend driving every assignment, you've got a reliable vehicle and you've had it checked and serviced with you know a mechanic or a place that you trust at home. You know, the great thing about 
another great thing about phones and, and our technology nowadays is, is, you know, I just had a, a vehicle worked on um, out here in California that I've had for a long time. And, you know, the guy, he underquoted me, but he stuck with his word. He was very, very, um, had a lot of integrity. He wants my business a lot. And he, he said, just please give me a good, you know, review on, I think it was Yelp. And I did. And I told everyone what happened. You know, this guy, he, it probably should have cost me about five or $600 more to, to get the work done I needed. But he had trouble finding the parts, and, and it was a difficult thing for him. And, but he stuck with his quote. He wasn't going to, oh, by the way, I've got some bad news for you. And I really appreciated that. And at the end of the day, he, you know, he still made money on me. But Yelp and those things do kind of help you um, in this scenario. You, you tend to be able to use reviews and that sort of thing on businesses, on Airbnbs, on housing to kind of be in your benefit. So um, look at those. If you see that you're working, running over somebody that's got some bad reviews, run away. It's going to be no different for you. If it's good reviews, it's probably going to be a great place for you to stay. So do that. And first, I was I know I was talking about automotive. I jumped back to housing there. But with that sort of thing, if you've got somebody at home you trust, you know, that's where you want to get your car taken care of. I don't know why I went back to housing. I was looking at the wrong thing. But my point was about automotive care, but housing applies too, so sometimes things happen for a reason. But have that mechanic that you trust that's got great reviews. Look at your car before you go. You don't want to have to try to deal with that in a strange town. If you've got somebody every time, I would have that be my my last thing I do a few days beforehand. I'm going to take it in, have them just check it out, make sure everything looks good so I don't you know, break down the road. And I'm not going to have uh, you know an issue where I'm stuck someplace for a couple of days or, or you know worst case scenario they can't get parts in and I may end up having to cancel an assignment because I can't get there in time. I've seen that happen recently. It's not fun. Here's where I think if you haven't already, and I think this is now where you put a lot more work and research into the area, the town, and the hospital that you're going to. This is where I think a lot of things can start to improve. You kind of need to know what you're doing. I don't think it's a good idea just to jump in your car and start driving blindly to this you know this town across country or across the state and just get there and start figuring out have a place where you're you know before you leave if you're on a laptop your phone or you're you know on a pc where you can do some research and start planning ahead just figure out you know how far away is my housing from the hospital where are some good places for me to go grocery shopping where can i eat what's some good fun things and recreational things for me to do where all the nuances that are important to you do it now before you get there so you're not you know turning and spinning wheels trying to figure stuff out once you're there i would do it early on you need to talk about research. I'm sorry. You talk about your insurance at this point. You know, again, once you've signed with that agency, you need to know when your insurance kicks in, what the nuances are. If you're taking insurance courses, all predicated on that. How do you get your insurance cards? Most of us have to jump through hoops because most insurance companies are not set up like most businesses, I should say. So they treat you like you're an internal employee, and sometimes we don't get our cards for weeks and weeks. Now, almost every insurance that you guys would get i know with with the ones that we've used and have used in the past we can get you a temporary card instantly by downloading it. And those work just every bit as good as anything else so you should be able to get literally a prescription filled or something happens you need to go see a doctor the day that your insurance kicks in which for most of us agencies is in fact day one it should be again that's one of those deciding factors I didn't talk about about choosing your agency if insurance is important to you then make sure you're asking those questions before you you know sign with that company i guess insurance is something i missed that last time, but it is part of your, your package, so be very, very careful. All right, let's talk about orientation for a little bit because I think this, this merits a, a little bit of our time. Every hospital, every facility has a different orientation. I, I've heard I've heard across the board, I've had some people that have been over-orientated, if that makes sense, very little orientation for other people to the point where both of those two extremes can oftentimes frustrate you guys. 
I know you either want to hit the floor running, or you don't. You know, you, this is getting monotonous, or you get thrown to the wolves without, with very little or no orientation to the unit. Where you don't even know where things are. That little bit of, I mean, just that fundamental, you know, thing. How do I do this? How do I? I can't. I can't even get on my on the on the system. I can't even start to, you know, put in orders or or do my charting because I can't even get in. All those things are important, but. Ask those questions. You're going to go through an orientation. If you're a newbie that you've never gone through, it's going to be treated as if you are going to be able to hit the ground running. Most orientations for travelers are pretty streamlined. Again, based upon that unit and that hospital's experience and what, what's worked for them and what hasn't worked for them in the past, they're all going to be different. But this is where you're going to get your orientation for your unit. And I'm hoping that it is, it is satisfactory to you, that you have enough. If it's not, you need to be vocal and ask for more. Be careful, though. Again, I'm not telling you... I want to be careful how I say this, but I've had a lot of travelers that, um, over the years, I've had travelers terminated because it just doesn't seem like they were getting it. They were asking so many questions that the facility kind of felt like, I don't think this traveler really is a good fit. And I think I would agree, I'd agree with them on most cases. If they're asking many questions that far into the assignment, you know, one of two things happen. Either they just don't have the clinical ability to work there, or in fact, the orientation was really bad and that hospital didn't provide the information they need. But this is your chance to make sure that you're really comfortable for the rest of your assignment and that you know what you're doing and you feel confident that you are familiar with the procedures and everything about that unit and exactly how to do your job over those next 13 weeks. So ask, ask, ask during orientation. Don't be afraid to, if you don't get something or something's not making sense to you or you need some clarification on a policy, please ask while you're in there. Don't, don't wait for that to be something that becomes an issue for you, you know, once you're out of the orientation because they tend to be less uh, flexible and less understanding once the orientation is done if you're still not getting something so let's talk about payroll with your company again every company has different different ways of doing things um you know every company has different philosophies we've just changed ours we're trying to make ours much more streamlined we're trying to do things that you know are against the grain a little bit with the industry we want it we want it we think that pay is an area that can be improved because there's errors that happen there, and most of them have to do with timesheets and how to get them in and, and be able to read those. So we have uh, really excited about our new way of, of, of doing things where you have, it's a two-way communication. You're seeing things before payroll runs. Hopefully your company's done that, but you at least need to understand what it is that you're supposed to be doing. How do you guys get my hours? How do I verify that you have my hours? How do I verify the, those hours? Can I do it before I get paid? Or is it something I have to fight, battle with after every, you know, after their check has been released? And every company is going to be different. But at least you need to make very, very clear how do I properly get paid and how do I communicate with you the hours of the previous week and how do I get communicated back if I do on, on that pay and how that pay is going to roll. This is important. Listen, every time we, we bring a new vendor, you know, usually right away, but if I haven't, by the time we actually start booking people with them, I'm personally on the phone with somebody in my in our accounting department making sure that we understand the billing process and the timekeeping process. We don't want to goof up. And you know, a lot of these are very complicated. And a lot of these, if you don't do it perfectly, they just don't pay us. So it's very, very important. So I'm asking the same questions you're kind of asking from a different side of the desk saying, how do we make sure this is perfect? Because I don't want to have it go you know, five, six weeks and have them say, oh, well, you're supposed to email it here or you were supposed to put this, this unit cost down here or you're supposed to verify what we put in, not send us stuff. They're, every one of them is different. No different for you guys. Every single assignment you're going to have, every single agency you work for is going to have a different way of doing things. You want to communicate and be very, very clear. This is, again, where I hope if you are, whatever agency you're working for, whether it's recruiter or recruiter list, I hope that the person that you're communicating with and the system they have set up for communication, and we certainly do. We, we pride ourselves in communication. It should be better than everybody else's. 
because you know we're not using recruiters. I don't want you to lean on a recruiter. I want you to be able to call people that are helping you with payroll. I want to be able to help, you know call people that are credentialing. I want to be able to call an account manager and not a recruiter who can have a, a fix a problem in a facility. I think going through a recruiter for everything doesn't make sense to me. And that we have those customer service reps that can handle everything, but we want to be able to have you talk to accounting if there's a problem. If you have a question, hey, I don't have a signed timesheet. It's last week of my shift and I'm done. What do I do? I want you to be able to talk to some accounting so they can give you the proper answer. So communication is important. And I'm hoping that at this point, whatever company you went with, that you kind of already validated that, that communication. You kind of reaffirmed that things are going to go well. And I hope at this point that they are. If they're not, this is where you have to start, you know, don't be hesitant to start screaming early. You don't want any issue, whether it's a problem you're having at a facility or a unit manager or hours or floating, whatever the case is, you've got to be able to start talking to somebody and don't wait until it gets so bad that it's almost unfixable. Communicate with whoever it is you're supposed to communicate with that company and do it quickly. And again, my hope is that this was part of your research in choosing the company you went with and you've got somebody that's got your back and someone that can get things done. And they do get done without having to you know, take weeks and weeks and weeks to get fixed. So here is where I'm going to say this. And again, I don't want to cut this episode short. This was a longer series than I thought. Should have probably done four of them and had the second part be in two. When you're on the hit in the road and you've gotten there, I really believe that rather than me sitting here spending another you know hour and having this be another hour and 40 minute episode, I really would advise you guys to go back and start listening to this series. It's part of the communication process. It's part of your education process. I, I've said this so many times on Travel Evolve. I do not think it's the only place you should be getting your information from. But as of right now, it's a unique place that I don't know any place else where you can get true, transparent agency information that you guys never have gotten or received. You know, since the travel industry, you know, started, you know, was it was a travel industry since its since its inception. There are some people that are trying to do some some good. There's some recruiters out there that that are no longer recruiting. They're helping. There's some travel nurses that help. This is one avenue, and I think, again, I, I understand that I'm pushing Travel Evolve. I, I know that there's, there's, I said this last time, I know there's, there's, there's commercials on there, there's now breaks. Like I said, it is pennies. It is not meant for that. It's actually meant to make it more searchable. I get that's a pain in the butt, but there is no reason other than I'm wanting you guys to go back and become really smart travelers. I wish I could educate the entire travel healthcare with a, with a wave of a wand to have the knowledge that I have. I truly do. That's why I want more and more people to watch this, because if I... More and more travelers knew the things that we try to teach you on Travel Evolved, then the industry wouldn't be in as bad a shape as it is right now. Because right now, I do believe hospitals, agencies, all kind of victimize you guys and pounce on some of your ignorance. I'll just say it like it is. They count on it. You know, if 99% of every company is, is ripping you off for the 37th hour on a 36-hour contract and only paying you taxable income and not taxing you on the rest of your meals and incentives in an hourly ratio, you're getting ripped off. And if they're only taking your taxable income and multiplying it by times and a half, well, that tells you that's not my full income at 1.5. That's only a portion of it. You're being ripped off. If you guys are settling for this and being uneducated, then that's on you. I'm sorry. That's on you. There are companies out there that are doing everything they can to try to be the top-paying companies out there, and there's a bunch of good ones that that's really what they do. They're trying to be top-paying. They get it. They know they're going to get more business if they pay more. And there's a whole bunch of companies that, that just work on volume, and they just saturate the market, and they flood it, and they, they're very aggressive, and they, they grow their company that way. No judgment here. You guys are the ones that make the judgment. I'm not allowed to make a judgment. If you guys start scrutinizing the agency in which you guys take offers through, I think you're going to change the industry a lot. And I think right now, again, this is, this is you know, first week in November. 
2023, we're almost into 2024, I think the industry can change, and I think it absolutely needs to. If nothing else, the last six to nine months shows you that we need a big shot in the arm. This agency is stagnant right now. And we think that the, the model of how you look for, find, secure jobs with a recruiter is just completely outdated. I don't know of many other industries besides our armed forces and a few other temporary places that still rely upon recruiters. The word recruiter is kind of becoming solely recognized with, with healthcare staffing. Doesn't that surprise you? Why isn't everybody else that's looking for labor or looking to fulfill contracts don't typically do it through recruiting? I mean, you know that IT doesn't do recruiting very much anymore? It's all done through applications and, and having the, the candidate apply to the positions they're looking for? Because it works. It works, guys. We're just the last industry to try to touch it because there's a bunch of people out there that don't want you guys to try it. And you need to try it because when you really start looking at it, it doesn't make any sense to do any other way. So last employment, please go back out. Now's the time to start filling in. You know, you've got time. Download a whole bunch of episodes because there's going to be times probably where you're going to lose, you know, your, your, your Wi-Fi or your, you know, your, your ability to be able to get your satellite radio in your car. And if you've got some things downloaded in your phone, you can just go ahead and play it and you'll be able to listen to, you know, whether it's us with a guest. And again, I, I can't just be me. That's got to be pretty old monotonous. Start mixing up some of the things you've downloaded between ourselves here at Travel Evolve, some other travelers, some things that make sense to you so you can start to really understand this business that you're in and you have to understand it. That's what I'll say and I'll finish up this whole series by saying in Newbie Bootcamp that please just don't become a, a traveling healthcare professional blindly. Please don't ever stop your education. It'd be like an athlete saying, hey, I've made it in the NHL and I no longer need to really practice or, or improve my game. But that's wrong. If you want to be at the top of your game, while you have decided to be this, this, you know, a traveler in an already very difficult, you know, career, then you've got to take this to the next level. I implore you guys. You can, I see it night and day between travelers that understand and travelers that don't. And the travelers understand, man. They're just, they get it. They're so easy to communicate with. There's, there's no like, what do you mean kind of thing because they've done the work themselves. And and we make sense. And a lot of companies make sense. If if a company doesn't. If you don't run across companies that don't make sense, that probably means you've got to start working on some filters because there are some things out there that you're being told that cannot make sense to you. But if you're going to be naive about it, you're going to get eaten up out there. And I don't think this newbie experience of yours is going to last very long because you're going to walk away saying, oh, I didn't like that very much. And I think a lot of that's going to fall on you by not preparing yourself to become a healthcare traveler. So whew, with that... I guess the last thing I'll say is while you're on assignment, let me wrap it up this way. You do need to be proactive. You need to start thinking about are you going to extend and, and covering your bases. Please don't trust managements in the hospital that you're they're guaranteed they're going to extend until you sign a contract with your agency and with a facility that says we are going to keep you. Assume that something is going to go wrong. Cover your butt. Tell your recruiter or tell your agency if you're recruitless, hey, I might extend here, but I'm going to get an offer because I want to have a backup plan. And then I'm going to be able to use that offer say, are you going to extend me this week? Because if not, I'm taking an assignment. And a lot of you guys are doing that. You're saying, I took an assignment, and the hospital's coming back at the 11th hour saying, would they stay? And the answer is no. They've already accepted assignment. You, they asked you repeatedly if you were going to extend them. And budgetary-wise or who knows, permission-wise, you weren't able to tell that travel they were going to extend. So you know, now they're gone. They'll come back potentially if they had an assignment. But you could have had them. So it forces that facility to you know, you know, fish or cut bait, as they say. Are you going to extend me right now, or am I going to take this offer that I'm getting right now to go somewhere else? Because once I sign that, 
I have integrity. I'm not going to tell that new hospital I'm not coming just because you said you want to extend me. And do that. Honor, honor what you do. When you sign a contract, whether it's this one, go to the assignment, fulfill the assignment. It's going to help you a lot. Go back and listen to some of those early episodes where we talk about getting through a tough assignment and, and you know the role of a traveler. These are important so that you understand that if you are true to yourself and you give your best to every assignment, it's going to come back and help you as a traveler. You're going to be a stronger traveler. If you kind of dial it in every assignment, you're, you're going to bet four or five years are going to go down and you're going, to, you're going to still be struggling with you know being the top chosen candidate. If you start this career off the right way, you will start rising to the top quickly. If you're willing to sacrifice some of your, your wants for some of the things that you know you need to do to, 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 booster, to boost and bolster your, your online or your paper presence when you're being submitted, this is where it all comes down to play, guys. So I so appreciate this. I hope this was helpful. I hope these, these three you know, newbie boot camp episodes do stand the test of time. I think there's going to be some changes. I, I may watch these in, in 2028 in November of 2028 and see what changed. I hope I have that luxury at that point to be able to go back and say, let me see if that was right. If you're watching this thing and it's been, you know, just 20, you know, 2025, 2026, I'm curious to see if it, if it does still apply to what happened uh, when we recorded this. So guys, as always, I appreciate it. We're going to catch you next time. I hope on Travel Evolved.